0: We've been doing this series all month talking about contentment and one of the things I love and appreciate about this congregation so very much is that during the week I get to have so many conversations with you about your life, your faith, and your struggles. And I think that this series about contentment has brought up more of those conversations than I can remember during any series before texts and phone calls and one-on-one conversations and emails about our shared struggle with contentment. It's hard, isn't it? This is a struggle that we all share, especially, especially in the culture in which we find ourselves, to be content with what We have. And contentment could be defined as a sense of security. Having a sense of security, a sense of saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm all right. And a lot of us spend our entire lives chasing that sense of security, don't we? We spend our lives chasing that sense of peace, that sense of contentment, that sense of saying, I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm not afraid, I'm I'm, I'm safe, I'm secure. And sometimes, every now and then, we find ourselves with that sense of security, and we say, oh, this this is good. I have this peace. I have this contentment. I know I'm all right. I know I'm safe. I know I'm secure until we hear two words. Two words that that have this tendency to destroy our sense of contentment. And those two words are, what if, right? What if. And we're really good. Some of us are really good at imagining all kinds of what if scenarios, aren't we? And we say, one moment we say, I'm safe, I'm secure, I have this sense of, of security and of peace, and then the next moment, we think of a what if. What if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if this changes? Or what if that changes? Or, or we turn on the television, and if we're not good enough at saying what if, the television is great at giving us some what ifs, isn't it? The news is great at what ifs. We turn on a podcast. They're great at what ifs. We turn on the radio. It's great at what ifs. And we say, well, what if this happens? Or what if this continues? Or what if this happens? Or what if this changes? Or what if this? Or what if that? And, and suddenly our sense of security, our sense of peace, our sense of contentment is gone. And so we say, well, maybe I'm, I'm not as, as safe and secure as I thought I was. May, maybe I'm not all right. Maybe things aren't okay. And so we say, well, what can I do? I need to build a bigger wall. I need to get more stuff and accumulate more stuff. And I need to keep those what ifs at bay. And so we get more money in the bank or we we get more things around us or we try to change our circumstances and we try to accumulate and accumulate and gather and gather, store up and treasure up, all chasing that sense of security. And then sometimes we think, okay, I think I've accumulated enough stuff that I, I feel secure and I feel safe. And then those words come to haunt us again. What if, what if, and it's just this vicious cycle of pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth. Pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth. And I want us to realize how serious this is. Because pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth, the the Bible has a word for that. And I want us to think about what that word might be. Maybe think about it for a second. What do you think goes in that blank? Pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth is what? Oh, we could say, well, it's materialism. Okay, it's materialism, but it's, it's more serious than that. The Bible has a very specific word for this. And I want us to think about what that word is and how serious it is if this is where we find ourselves. And honestly, most of us, Most of us can find ourselves doing this very thing at various points in our life, pursuing contentment, pursuing a sense of security, pursuing a sense of safety through the accumulation of wealth. And by that, we might mean how much money is we have or how much is in our retirement or simply just the changes of our circumstances. If I could move here or live there or have this or do that, and if I can accumulate enough or build enough... Then I can keep all of those scary possibilities at bay. Pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth is what we're going to talk about. And I want to look at the definition of that and kind of work our way through some passages of scripture before we even get to our primary text today. So let's look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, and listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, kind of stop there for just a second. Jesus already shows us the problem with the accumulation of wealth, right? I mean, wealth is nice to have, it's nice to have clothes to wear. It's nice to have money in the bank. But these treasures are insecure, right? They're insecure. Things can happen to them. A thief can break in and steal them. Rust and moth can destroy them. Stock markets can plummet. Inflation can increase. All of these things can happen like this, and we have no control over them. These treasures are Insecure. But then he says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. He contrasts this insecure treasure with a secure treasure, right? He says that when you are rich towards God, when you serve God, when your allegiance is to God, when you're accumulating things in heaven, that someday when Jesus appears, then our treasure will appear with him. Then that treasure, that accumulation is secure because thieves can't break in and steal what's stored up in heaven. Moth and rust just don't destroy what's stored up in heaven. The the stock market can't change what's stored up in heaven. Inflation can't change what's stored up in heaven. He says, these treasures are secure. And then he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And think about it in treasures that are secure and treasures that aren't secure. Your heart, your heart can't be secure as long as your treasure is not secure. See, this is why we're lacking a sense of security. This is why we're lacking contentment, isn't it? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And in the back of our mind, we know that our treasure isn't Secure. We know that at any moment, our treasure and what we're working so hard to accumulate, if we're working to accumulate earthly treasure, if that's where our sense of security lies, if that's what we're really treasuring and prizing, we know in the back of our mind, or at least we know as soon as we begin to imagine what if What if a thief breaks in and steals? What if moth and rust destroy? What if the stock market? What if inflation? What if this? What if that? And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And your heart can't be secure as long as your treasure's not secure. So Jesus says, I want you to have a secure treasure. I want your heart to be secure. And that's what he offers us, isn't it? That winds don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, then your treasure is secure, and so is your heart. Because you know that changing circumstances don't change your relationship with God. And you know that no matter what happens with inflation, no matter what happens with the stock market, no matter what thieves do, no matter what rust does, no matter what moths do, your treasure is secure. And if your treasure is secure, then so can your heart be. Jesus says this pursuit of trying to build up more and store up more and treasure up more in order to find security... It's never going to work. As long as your treasure isn't secure, neither will your heart be. This is why so many of us lack security in our heart. Because we know that our treasure isn't secure. But Jesus says your, your treasure can be secure, but you have to change what you treasure. You have to change what you prize. You have to change what you're storing up. And if you store up things that are secure, then your heart can be secure. He goes on to say, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, he doesn't say Satan, he says mammon or treasure or money. Do we recognize that? that the New Testament over and over and over again presents the chief competitor, God's chief competitor for your loyalty, God's chief competitor for your allegiance, God's chief competitor for your faith, God's chief competitor for your trust is your money. It's your wealth, your treasure. That is God's chief competitor. Your money and God are competing for your loyalty, your trust, your allegiance. And Jesus says it can't be both. It can't be both. You can't say, well, you know what? I trust in God and I also trust in my money. I serve God, but I also serve my money. I'm devoted to God, but I'm also devoted to my wealth because I got to build my walls bigger. I got to have the safety and security that my wealth provides for me. Jesus says, no, you cannot have it both ways. You'll either be devoted to the one and despise the other. You'll love the one and hate the other, but you cannot serve both God and wealth. You can't pursue safety and security under God's rule and reign and pursue safety and security through the accumulation of stuff. You can't have it both ways. You've got to decide, what are you storing up? What are you treasuring? Where does your allegiance and your loyalty and your trust lie? Look at what he says going on in verse 31. Matthew 6 and verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says the Gentiles, the pagans, the unbelievers... Their sense of security comes from the accumulation of stuff. What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? Where's our next meal coming from? And so they feel like if we have enough clothing or we have enough food or we have enough money in the bank, then we'll find safety and security. He says the Gentiles pursue this kind of thing. They're seeking this kind of safety and security, but not so among you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's the kingdom of God? It's God's rule and reign. And when you seek God's rule and reign, when you know it's God who protects you and God who provides for you, and you know, my Heavenly Father knows I need food, my Heavenly Father knows I need clothing, my Heavenly Father knows I need life, and He's prepared to give us these things in this life and in the one to come. And you learn to trust Him and seek Him and pursue Him and store up treasure in heaven, then we can have this sense of safety, this sense of security. We say, I don't don't have to worry about food to eat or clothes to wear. I don't have to pursue the sense of safety and security that comes through these things because guess what? It's never there. It's a false God. It gives false promises, doesn't it? At what point do we say, I have enough money in the bank? At what point do we say my house is big enough? At what point do we say I've accumulated enough that now no matter what happens, I'm safe and secure? We never get there. It never provides. It's always saying if you just had a little bit more, then, then you'd have that sense of security. Jesus says, no, 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 stop. Stop pursuing and accumulating and storing up and treasuring up and thinking that you're going to find that sense of peace and security through the accumulation of wealth. It will never provide that, but your heavenly father can. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Seek his rule and reign. Seek his righteousness, and he will take care of you. All these things Will be added to you. Or we could talk about what Paul said to Timothy. We read this last week, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, proud, arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. First, he says exactly what Jesus says your riches are uncertain. It doesn't matter how much riches you have. It doesn't matter how many dollars you have. It doesn't matter how many houses you have or how big of a house you have. It doesn't matter how much you accumulate. It's all uncertain, isn't it? It's all uncertain. So don't set your hopes on that. Don't anchor your trust to that. Don't anchor your joy to that. It's not wrong to have it. Even in Paul's day, there were Christians and followers of Jesus who had wealth, but the temptation there is to love wealth and pursue wealth and to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And do you see that Paul does the same thing Jesus does? He contrasts the devotion and the love for God to the love for money, riches, wealth. Once again, this is the chief competitor for our allegiance. This is the chief competitor for our trust. This is the chief competitor for our faith. This is the chief competitor for our devotion. This is the chief competitor for our love. The chief competitor for our love is between God and our riches and wealth. Because it's always making us this false promise. If you have enough, if you get a little bit more, just a little bit more, you're not being greedy. You're not being covetous. You just need a little bit more. If you have a little bit more, then you can finally have that sense of security and safety and peace and contentment that you're pursuing, and it's a lie. And we set our hopes on it, and we anchor our trust to it, and then it's gone in a moment or Or it's not God, but we're afraid it's going to be. And we keep saying, what if? What if? What if? And we never have a peace. We never have a sense of safety and security. But but look, if you will, at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Here's where we fill in that word we were missing earlier. Colossians 3 and verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is what? Idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. Idolatry. It's a false god. It's worship and devotion and love for a false god. And isn't that everything that Jesus was saying? You can't serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and treasure. You cannot serve God and wealth. Don't put your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. This is the competition that's going on in our heart. Will I trust in my stuff or my God? But what Paul is saying is, whatever you trust in, that is your. God. Whatever you trust in, that is your God. Whatever you anchor your hopes to, that is your God. Whatever you give your allegiance to and your loyalty to, that is your God. And covetousness, this pursuit of contentment, pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth is what? Idolatry. Pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth, is idolatry. It's saying, if I, if I just get a little bit more, my wealth will finally give me a sense of security. My wealth will finally give me a sense of peace. My wealth will finally give me a sense of contentment. My, my wealth will finally give me a sense of security and safety, and it's a lie. Not only... Will you not be safe and secure no matter how tall you build your walls, no matter how much money you accumulate, no matter how big your house, no matter how nice your car, no matter what, it can't provide you safety and security. It won't even provide you a sense of safety and security. You'll always be left with this desire for more. Have a little bit more because this pursuit is idolatry. It is devotion to and worship of and love of a false God. So over and over and over again, the New Testament warns us about this. Don't don't pursue this. Don't make this your hope. Don't make this what you seek. And so it's with that in mind, let's read what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 13. And this whole book has been warning against falling away has been encouraging the audience to remain faithful to Jesus. Don't fall away from him. Don't go back to the life you had before. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything anybody else has to offer. Jesus is better. And a life of discipleship is a better life than any other life in the world. No matter what you have to give up, no matter what you suffer, no matter what you sacrifice, the life of discipleship is the best life in the world. Don't give up on Jesus because Jesus will take care of his people. And with that in mind, he says in Hebrews 13, verse five, he says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Now, again, we might just think about greedy people or covetous people that just want a bunch of pleasure and they're just thinking about what their what pleasures their money can buy for them and there's some of us that struggle with that right we want we want nicer things or bigger things or more things because we think I can have so much more fun like that but a lot of us are motivated to accumulate more and store up more and treasure more not out of a sense and a desire for pleasure but out of a desire for safety and security. So listen to the contrast here. He says, be content with what you have, for the Lord has said, or for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise that your money cannot make. That's a promise that your bank account cannot make. That's a promise that your 401k cannot make. That's a promise that the stock market cannot make. That's a promise that your house cannot make. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. You are mine And I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I am with you. This is what God promised to Joshua. This is what God has always promised to his people. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do do we see why the Hebrew writer is saying this? Why he's contrasting the love of money with this kind of confidence in God? because that's why so many of us love money. That's why so many of us love wealth, because we think that our wealth won't leave us, that our wealth won't forsake us, but it will. It can at any moment, and we know it, don't we? And he says, don't believe the lies. That. Pursuing contentment through the accumulation of wealth is idolatry, and you have to decide whether you will worship and serve and love and be devoted to Yahweh God or to your stuff. Because God says to you, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we can confidently say, here's our response. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's the kind of confidence that God wants his people to have. I won't. I don't have to be afraid. What can man do to me? Man can't steal my treasure. Man can't take away my treasure. It doesn't matter the biggest armies, the, 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 the most surprising economies, no matter what happens, man can't do anything to our treasure when our treasure is stored up in heaven. Because when Jesus appears, so will our treasure. And God says to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when we believe that and trust that, when God is the one on whom we set our hope, then we can confidently say, confidently say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my right hand. The Lord is my stronghold. The Lord is my treasure. Confidence. See, this this idea of contentment is directly tied to this idea of confidence. We only have this sense of safety, this sense of security, this peace that passes understanding when we have confidence in the Lord, that he is our helper, that he will never leave us or forsake us. So in that spirit, we can be content. We can be content with what we have because what we have is the Lord. We can be content with what we have because what we have is the Lord. No matter how much we have or how little we have, we have the Lord, which means we have everything so we can be content with what we have because what we have is the Lord. So here's my encouragement. Here's the application for this week. Say that to yourself. Remind yourself of that. Teach that to yourself. As we were singing the songs this morning, I, I couldn't help but think, these are ideas and emotions to which we aspire. This kind of confidence and this kind of faith, it's, it's the kind of confidence and faith that we it's easy to have when we're sitting in here, but it's hard to have on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We aspire to this confidence. But the only way to acquire that confidence is to continue to say these things and to sing these things and to repeat these things. So say to yourself, I can be content with what I have because what I have is the Lord. I can be content with what I have because what I have is the Lord. And every time we want more and every time we're afraid, And every time somebody reintroduces another what if, remind yourself, I can be content with what I have because what I have is the Lord. And the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord will never leave me or forsake me. And because I know that's true, because my treasure is stored up in a secure location, I can be confident And I can be content and I can have a sense of security. I can be content with what I have because what I have is the Lord. Tell yourself that every moment of every day. That's the confidence into which we're stepping when we're baptized into Jesus, isn't it? That's the the confidence that we're acquiring when we when we associate ourselves with Jesus by faith and baptism, and we say, "I, I want you not only to take away my sins, but I want you to be with me. I want your presence with me every moment of every day through the highs and through the lows when I have an abundance and when I have lack. I want you with me, Lord. I want your spirit within me. I want to have the confidence of knowing not only what has happened, but what is happening and what will happen because of Jesus. And we step into that life and that faith and that confidence at baptism, but every moment of every day, we have to remind ourselves, I can be content with what I have because what I have is the Lord. If you're in Jesus, you have the Lord. You have his people You have all the things that he has to offer now and in the age to come. And sometimes we need to remind each other of that. Sing these songs to each other. Pray together. Confess our our weakness to each other. Say, brother, sister, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And if we can help you or encourage you this morning, if we could pray for you, if you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism, our shepherds would love to meet with you after service or right now you can come forward as we stand and sing this song.